Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, everyone. You are listening to the Third Coast Pocket Conference, where your next great story begins. On this show, we share sessions from past Third Coast conferences that feature the world's top radio makers and podcasters. I'm your host, Dennis Funk. Between radio and the ever-growing world of podcasts, there seems to be no end to the great places where you can draw inspiration for your own work. But for Tim Hinman, producer of the Danish podcast Third Ear, lightning often strikes while he's listening to the movies. His sound design is influenced by both the bold and subtle use of audio in film. In his 2016 conference session, Tim lays out the entire production process from recording to final mixes and urges us to become directors ourselves, turning the microphone into a camera to create more cinematic audio features. Here's Tim Hinman with Blockbuster Sound. Thank you. Just stand up first so you can see me. <laughs> I'm going to sit down for the rest of it, though. And um, there's a picture on the screen there, but I've decided, you know, because this is about sound and listening, that we're not going to do PowerPoint today, children. I'm sorry. Um, it's all going to be listening. It's all going to be sound. There will be some little things to look at a bit later on. Um, yeah, I don't have to do the introduction of myself bit now that I wrote down in my, my, my thingy. But, yeah, it's true, podcast. Before I did that, doing music and stuff, you know, and working in film sound, TV, post-production, and that sort of thing. Um, and that's really where I come from. And it's really that kind of cross-disciplinary stuff that um, I'd want to play for you today. Um, I could, I've got a kind of geek disclaimer, I decided to say. It's not going to be super technical, what I'm going to talk about, so don't be afraid of that. Um, unless I get too geeky, you can just shout out at me. Um, who's it for? I mean, who can get anything out of this talk I'm going to give? Well, if you make stuff, if you make radio, if you make podcasts, if you make any kind of audio stories, I hope you can get something. If you are the kind of person who commissions other people to do that, then I hope you can get something out of this. If you edit or you produce, then there should be something you can pick up out of the next hour or so. Um, the primary thing to keep in mind is that I work with stories. That's what it's all about, right? Um, primarily, I work with long-form stories, sometimes very long-form stories, um, which I know are not so common. Um, but, uh, yeah, at third year, productions are often at least 45, 50 minutes long. Our longest and most popular podcast was a single story in 75 minutes. 
and the kids loved it. <laughs> uh, oh, we're based in Denmark, of course, I should say that, Copenhagen, Denmark. Um, you may have heard of Denmark, it's where Bernie Saunders comes from. Uh, yeah, okay, I can skip down here, right, yeah. I mean, really, I'm not going to get it all across in an hour. I'm just going to try my best. But uh, this method that I'm going to try and expose or try and understand even for myself, uh, it does work. Funnily enough, we're talking about sound, but the way it works, when people talk to me and they say, oh, we really liked your stuff, or when they give us a prize, because we did great stuff, they say, that was such a great story. And that's important, because they never say that was such a great sounding story. Um, the sound work we do, even though we pay so much attention to it, doesn't even really get noticed when it's really good. Um, but I'm going to ask you to pay a little more attention, maybe, than normal. And I'm going to start with a clip, then, like a little one-minute piece, which is not my work, uh, and I'm probably not allowed to play this, actually, I just realized, but uh, who cares? Um, <laughs> It's totally irrelevant, actually. It's totally irrelevant to what we're going to hear for the rest of the hour. I just want to hear this, and you can see how soon you can guess what this is. Okay, here we go. Turn up a little. Yep. Who are you? I'm Tim. I'm no one. to the dark side. Um, anyone guess what that was? <laughs> um, my question is, you know, uh, you know what that was, what sort of thing that was, because of the way it sounded. You didn't see anything, and it sounded like a movie, right? Star Wars, The Force Awakens. Um, it's a movie trailer. My question is, in many ways, well, why should film people have all the fun? Um, when you make sound stuff. I mean, why aren't we allowed to do stuff like that? Um, so, I hear you call and say, yeah, yeah, but we don't have Skywalker Studios or whatever it's called, and uh, we don't have millions of dollars. We make podcasts and radio shows, and it's all cheap, and we don't have that kind of technology. Well, I would like to argue that actually you do have that kind of technology, you may not realize it, but you do. You have the power, the force, or whatever you call it. Um, and what's really interesting to me 
about sound and the way we work in radio is how few people, and I meet a lot of people who make radio, few people who work in radio actually really even think about the fact that they work in sound uh, only. Um, surprising, really. <laughs> so what I'm going to do is try and break the idea of sound up into a few chunks. Easy to eat. Uh, open up your ears a bit. Um, see if we can figure out how we can use sound to tell stories a bit better. Um, yeah. And the first mental exercise I would like you to try is to try and think about audio stories. Well, I'm feeding now. Think about audio stories, what you do, whatever you call them, podcasts, features, uh, I don't know what the word is. Think about them as, uh, as uh, movies instead, films. Not necessarily Star Wars, I mean like documentary movies or whatever. Just think about them as pictures. Because our job is to put those pictures in people's heads right? We've got to do that. That's what we're here for. And if we do that job well, if we do it right, what you'll find is that using a lot of sound means you don't have to use so many words. Right? Um, so, I've got a big question for everyone, which I don't expect anyone to answer. So, um, the question is, when you make stuff, whatever it is, why does it sound the way it sounds? Why do you do stuff that sounds like you, the stuff you do. Uh, there are probably different answers for everybody in the room. Uh, maybe your station says do it that way or your producer says do it that way. Maybe you just do it that way because you've been brainwashed to do it that way and you've grown up listening to stuff. Uh, then it always sounds the same and you just repeat stuff. Um, I like to talk about uh, an experiment that was done in Germany some years ago where they gave a bunch of children some microphones and said... Uh, record something. Didn't tell them anything. Every single kid came back with a radio interview with that kind of radio voice. So, uh, tell me, uh, what are we talking about on the playground today? Uh, sort of thing. Instantly, without thinking about it, they could have recorded anything, but they all recorded themselves sounding like people on the radio. So we're kind of brainwashed. So today we must set ourselves free. Uh, today, everything's allowed. There are no rules. Everything is permitted. This is a free country, still, almost. And um, I'm going to start with a bit of clip now, a bit of listening, which hopefully is about four minutes long. This is something I made with a friend of mine who is a film sound guy, and it's a kind of illustrative piece. You should, it should be self-explanatory. It's basically just talking about how sound works in the movies. So we'll listen to four minutes of it, and then make some sense of it. It should be a little bit of a sonic adventure in a way. Like, you should be surprised and amazed and moved, hopefully. Now, ask yourself, are you feeling ready to be engaged, to feel something and to get a story told? Of course you are. And here comes a spoiler of a sort. You're about to find out that every movie you ever saw Every image you felt was so powerful, every emotion you ever felt in the cinema was, largely, the result of some kind of manipulation of your senses. And a lot of the real work being done in making you think and feel what the film director wants you to think and feel is done by, you guessed it, a careful and considered use of sound. So now, with the help of Peter Albrechtson, we're going to walk you through it. 
we're going to show you how it's done. All we need is a very simple setup. Let's assume, for example, that Peter is sitting in a cafe in Copenhagen. If right now I was sitting in a cafe... And... Action. And this was supposed to be a very intimate conversation, then usually I would take, like, very much of the background sounds away, so you wouldn't hear the cars in the street. You wouldn't hear the, the sounds of the kitchen. You wouldn't hear the other people in the restaurant. Try to focus in on just hearing the small sound of the the spoon in the cup and maybe just all these tiny sounds and maybe we can even whisper instead of talking but we could also do the opposite thing and hearing like there could be some very loud background music and all kinds of sounds from the kitchen the, the door slamming you hear the doorbell maybe or, and then we have to almost yell to each other and talk really loudly the situation becomes very stressful a cafe would be very different if, a, if it was a jazz piece that was playing instead of a, a techno piece Neil Young song was playing. Uh, that would make it very different as to if it was like an easy listening song playing. But of course you could also have a piece of score, I mean a piece of film music that was written specifically for the scene. film set, when the film is being shot, all you can actually hear is the sound of the main actors acting. There's also the occasional sound of the film director shouting orders and off-camera sounds like the buzzing of lights, cameras, generators, things like that. And only by adding layer on layer of sound after the film is edited does it become realistic. And then it starts to make you believe in the unrealistic setup. You know, we already had complaints from the neighbors. That's good. They asked us to turn it down. Ha! <laughs> well, I hope that made, made some kind of sense. I mean, the point about it is that you are free when you make a story to create the sonic environment in which the story takes place. And you can change that sonic environment to be exactly what you want it to be. Um, you are in control. Uh, you can add and subtract emotion, drama, tension, mood, pace. You can jump in time. You can slow time down. You can speed time up. 
you can do all sorts of stuff without actually even saying one single word. Um, the smart thing about the sound thing is that you can do it all at the same time as somebody is saying something else uh, because that's how your brain works. Your brain does the words in one part of your head and it does the listening of other stuff in other parts of your head. Um, so you can actually do two or three different things all at the same time. And then you can move your story along faster, uh, more efficiently in a way. Layers and layers and sound, right? But the sound thing is the icing on the cake. Um, you need a story, you need a good story, preferably. Um, so I'm going to play another little clip now and you're going to get to see something on the screen because I know you like that, but it's, it's not a great deal of thing to look at. But this is a little clip from a little piece we made, Third Year, which won a prize here at the Third Coast Festival. Um, it's coming up here. Yeah, uh, it's text. It's going to happen with the sound because it's in Danish. This is going to be maybe for some of you your first experience of listening in Danish. <laughs> I hope you enjoy it. It's just two minutes um, out of this piece. Oh. I'll just play it and then just, just try and pay attention to the, to the way it sounds and how the storytelling is being done. Oh, I'm really sorry. I need to tell you the backstory before I press the play. Uh, this is the story of a man called Thomas uh, who was nearly murdered by another man called Thomas. Thomas Anderson was the name of the man who was nearly murdered, and Thomas Anderson was the man who tried to murder him. And they were the same age, and they lived in the same town. Uh, so the piece is called The Double. Um, doppelganger. It's supposed to be very unlucky if you meet your doppelganger, apparently. Um, and it certainly was for Thomas. This scene describes the, a fight in a small town which got a little ugly, out of control, and what happened. This is the scene uh, in which Thomas tries to kill Thomas. And this is not fiction. It's som regel blev der aldrig tændet en tomme trusler, men den her gang virkede anderledes. Ja, rent også var ham for værende ekstremt aggressiv. Der er ingen, der rigtig kan huske, hvordan det egentlig startede. Og så vi så tager han så fat i dig, og så mener Rasmus, han tager fat i ham. Lige pludselig så går det sådan lidt mere bare tumult, og jeg tror, at Lasse han kaster hele sin bakke pomfritter i hovedet på en. Og jeg kan bare huske sådan ude i siden, at jeg ser sådan en bakke pomfritter komme flyvende. Et fuldemandsslagsmål, der er nok det, der beskriver det her bedst. Folk bliver rundt op med vores dæktosser på hinanden, der er ikke nogen grund, men det er ikke noget pænt slagsmål her. Det, er ikke, det var ikke bokser, som jeg husker det. Det er sådan set ikke selve slagsmålet, der er noget særligt. Der sker ikke noget med nogen. Og er der nogen, der råber, at politiet kommer, politiet kommer? Det er det, der sker bagefter, at der er noget helt ud over det sædvanlige. Og så spænder vi ned af jernbanegaden. Der holder altid taxa. Så har vi har sikkert også gjort lidt grin med det, dengang vi kom ind i taxaen og haft det mundret med, at så var nogen på nogle røver eller sådan noget. Så tror vi ligesom, nu det her over, vi skal bare hjem nu. Vi ved det ikke, men der er en bil, der følger efter os. Det er Thomas. Så sætter vi dig af, siger de farvel.
Jeg har tit tænkt på, hvordan det her har set ud igennem forruden på Thomas' Peugeot. Der er bælmørkt derude. Han må have set mig i lyset fra billygterne. Og taget sigte. Og så har Thomas taget sin beslutning. call a scene uh, from one of our stories um, yeah and if you I mean you could hear it very much maybe because I also told you to listen to it but it was there um, Thomas who made this piece who's here at the festival you should meet him say hi um, after he was very seriously injured in that event there uh, actually became a film sound guy uh, so he made the sound for this piece himself um, using the techniques of Uh, yeah, fiction films and stuff like that. All of the sounds are recreated by people reenacting, you know, scuffling around, pushing things around. Um, notice as well, there's some, I don't know if you spotted it, there's some little stuff like shifts in point of view when he says, you know, the guy's sitting in his car and, you know, we shift point of view. We do a bit like you do in a movie. Um, we may think about a scene. Um, They're very simple things. This is a quite you know, simple set of stuff. Um, I'd like to talk about this idea of the scene because it really helps and it really informs about the way we think about this in a number of ways, which I'll get to. But uh, if you imagine a movie scene in a movie, usually they last, you know, the movie's 90 minutes. There's not many scenes that last more than about four minutes. So anything happens in one of those, it's in four minutes. Scenes have a location, they have a sound quality, they have a place where they happen, right? They, they deal with a specific part of a story, so they carry the plot from the beginning of that scene to the end of that scene. Um, the scene contains certain characters, certain information. Uh, in this case, you hear the voice of the narrator, you hear the voices of the people who are interviewed, and we've placed them all at the location. They're obviously not at the location. This location is 20 years old. Um, you could also ask yourself maybe what you didn't hear in that piece. You didn't hear a radio host or you didn't hear anyone talking about anything that happened at another time. Uh, it only, they only talk about what happened at this moment. Uh, the whole piece is about 50 minutes long and it's made up of a series of scenes, just like a movie is made up of a series of scenes, right? So doing it like this uh, is a way of telling your story. Um, and any story can be broken down into scenes. And this is really interesting when you start thinking about this, when you start thinking about the end product when you begin doing your story making. Because you can actually approach your interviews and your collection of material thinking, hmm, I'm going to have to turn all of this stuff into scenes, right? So, for example, the story of a young man who becomes radicalized and goes to Syria, joins Islamic State and gets himself blown to pieces. He's 17 years old, he's autistic. Um, what happened? How does that story work out? There must have been certain things that happened in this guy's life. Um, we could just talk about it. We could talk about him. We could talk with the people who knew him about him. Or we can pull it apart and find out there must have been certain moments. Right? There must have been a moment when he, for the first time, saw uh, Abu Hamza's YouTube channel. Uh, got himself into some stupid stuff. Uh, there must have been a scene when he arrived in Syria. 
There must have been a scene the day he died. There must have been a scene that happened when somebody told his mother he was dead and he was a martyr. Um, so I'm going to play a tiny clip uh, from this piece. Tiny clip, because there's no subtitles here, so you're not going to be able to understand the text, which is good, because then you will have to listen more carefully. Okay? So here comes the tiny clip. It's, it's like a 45-second clip. This is the death of Lucas, followed by, uh, as you will hear, um, somebody knocking on his mother's door to tell her what happened. Kampene har vekslet frem og tilbage i længere tid og blusset op. Should point out this is made by a print journalist who we work with, who had written a book about this guy, and he's explaining here what happened on the 25th of December 2014 on Christmas Day in Kobane in uh, Syria. Men den her dag er det særligt intenst. En vær, som har læst artikler om de her bombeangreb, eller har set billeder på YouTube, kan jo se, hvordan alting bliver jævnet med jorden fra det ene splitsekund til det andet. Og så ringer det på døren. Jeg går ned og ser igennem nøglehullet og genkender ham, som var i min have øh, sommeren før og klippe et træ sammen med Lucas. Der er jo, det er hans mor. Hun siger, at hun rekognerer hans ven, der kommer til at ringe døren og fortæller ham, at han er død. Det tog 45 sekunder for at gøre os fra Kobani til suburban Copenhagen. Vi havde en stor chok i midten, en stor eksplosion. Vi gør alt det her. Det er meget... Spectacular, and we can definitely take a long chat about the kind of journalistic ethics and this, that, and the other about about this this piece. Um, but it certainly uh, caused a stir, and it actually won the guy uh, uh, Jakob Scheik, who who made this story, uh, who'd never made radio before in his life. Uh, he won not only the best documentary prize in, in, in Copenhagen, but is also nominated for the best investigative journalism prize for his communication of the story. Because he wrote very long stories in the newspaper, but to be perfectly honest, people don't read them. <laughs> Everybody listened to the podcast, uh, a lot of people listen to the podcast, and it, and it contains a very, very different approach to the same material. And he was very, very happy. I'll just play a tiny clip here, which is the reason we made the story in sound. I don't know if anyone speaks any Arabic at all, but that's very bad Arabic mixed with Danish. That's actually a recording of a jihadi. Uh, that's how they talk. That's the guy who was blown up, by the way. That was him. Uh, he managed to get hold of all of his WhatsApp messages through various means. And this is another idea like how to collect and source your material. This is strange material and uh, because it's uh, I don't think I've ever heard certainly not in Danish the actual communications between jihadis in Syria talking to each other. This is what they do. They record messages on WhatsApp and they share them because uh, you send sound files and they, they can't be traced. Okay, moving along. Yeah. So, I'm going to talk a little bit about how doing a nice bit of sound design and thinking scenographically and stuff like that can also save you from some really 
shitty audio, <laughs> uh, especially the ultimate terror of all modern radio, the Skype interview, um, <laughs> you know, which we, it sounds terrible, and what can you do with it? Uh, we were making a program about people living on Mars, and we had the only way we could talk to the, to the subject was because she was on Mars, not literally, but very nearly, uh, was on Skype, on a terrible connection. Um, so just like to play, again, another kind of more cartoonish way of approaching uh, how to tell a story using the sound design. It starts off with me talking about imagine yourself being on Mars. This piece was broadcast on the excellent BBC program Shortcuts, and it's called Martha's Mars. It's just two minutes here. Okay, so imagine this. You are on Mars. In front of you, you can see the broken down and dusty old remains of an old NASA Mars lander. The Phoenix lander is its name. It landed here in 2008. If you walk up to it, you'll see a message written on a small disc attached to the top of the lander. It reads, Astronauts. Take this with you. The disc is a DVD, cut into the purest silicone glass and made to last forever. And if you've brought a PC along that still has a DVD drive in it, you'll hear this message. Hi, I'm Carl Sagan. I don't know why you're on Mars. Message to the Martians, recorded by the great cosmologist and astronomer Carl Sagan. Maybe we're on Mars because we recognize that if there are human communities on many worlds... Now, Carl Sagan was pretty sure we'd make it to Mars sooner or later. But it hasn't happened yet. Maybe we're on Mars because the gates of the Wonder World are opening... But even if that is the case, there's still plenty of work being done to find out what it might take for us to make it up there one day. Not just building rockets, but what it might demand for human bodies and minds to survive not only the trip, but to actually live and survive on another planet. Now, you're not on Mars. You're on top of a volcano in Hawaii. In front of you, you can see a large dome, and living in that dome right now is a group of six trainee astronauts, led by Commander Martha Lenio. Okay, so who am I? Uh, I my name's Martha Lenio. You can't talk directly to Martha. Martha and her crew are not allowed outside the dome without a spacesuit on for the next eight months. Right now, I am on simulated Mars, <laughs> or I guess fake Mars, or whatever you want to call it. There's no fresh food. There's no other human contact other than through a 20-minute delayed communication. It's about as real as a Mars simulation can get. NASA's doing studies on us to try and figure out how to select crew members for an eventual Mars mission that can hold up to isolation for extended periods of time together without going nuts. But there's more to it than the psychology and the problems related yeah. to living. So basically just by framing a piece of terrible audio, um, <laughs> then we, we try and anyway and try and make a story out of it. Um, you know, I just like doing that as well. I think it's fun. I think it's more fun than just saying stuff. <laughs> yeah. 
um, that's just me, I guess, but you know, that's the way we do it. Yeah. So, I said I was going to break down what we mean by sound, so it's time to do a little bit of breaking down. Try and explode your ideas about what the stuff is you're working with. I mean, the basic building blocks that you think you're working with, I think, when you make radio especially, are voice, yeah, sounds, and music. Oh, easy, right? And the three basic methods are, you know, recording stuff or collecting stuff, editing stuff, and mixing stuff. Uh, but... I think that's one of the main problems that people have, actually, is that they assume it is that simple. Uh, what do we mean when we talk about voice? Well, the voice can be a million different things. Uh, there's, it can be voices in any frame, it can be different forms of communication, it can be different forms of intonation, it can be people shouting, it can be people whispering, it can be voices on TV, on radio, voices from all over the place. You have a million, infinite number of possible types of voice that you can use to tell your story. I know in America they love to talk about a thing called tape and a thing called sync. And as far as I know, I mean, I'm just guessing here, but the, the traditional simple radio method is that you have a piece of tape, which you've recorded out somewhere, and then it stops, and then somebody in the studio says a thing, and then that's sync, and then the tape comes on again, and so on and so on. Yeah, I don't like that very much. I think it's a bit dull. Um, so, thing two, sounds. What are we talking about with sounds? Well, it's everything that isn't vocals or isn't music, somewhere in between. So you've got background sounds, sound effects, non-verbal stuff. You've got artificial sounds, textures, weirdness, and you know, anything, anything that you can imagine that you can possibly hear is there, and, and in different perspectives as well, and I'll get to that. Likewise with music. Music can exist on so many levels. Music is background music like we heard with Peter. You know, it can be like music in the background. It could be scored music. It could be music that just happens to be in the room when somebody's there. It can be used in millions of different ways. Uh, and it's, it's just trying to think about things a bit more openly, I think, is really important. And as far as recording, editing, mixing goes, I mean, that also interests me, especially mixing. Because these days we're making... Radio. Well, I'm making podcasts, and a lot of us expect radio to sound like it does through radio stations. And most radio stations, especially in the U.S., uh, have monster compression, uh, very, very loud. They all sound the same. They all sound very high. There's, there's, no, there's no what's called dynamic range. There's no up and down. If you go in the cinema, you have very loud sounds and very quiet sounds. You have this, this much more dynamic, more exciting thing. And if you're making stuff, people who are listening on headphones, who says you have to make it sound good enough for WNYC or whatever? I mean, you don't need to. Your audience is listening on different devices, and you should really kind of think about how it sounds. What, what can you get away with? Uh, because we're limiting ourselves to, to try and make things sound pretty flat when they don't need to. Um, then the big thing, thought experiment number two, and I like to challenge people with this one. When you're recording stuff, think about your microphone. Even people who make radio are more visually inclined than audibly inclined, I find. So think about your microphone as a camera. What would you do with a camera if you were making a story, and what would you do with a microphone? People think it's good enough to just stand a microphone in the middle of some place, and if you went to see films that were made like that, I mean, you wouldn't hang around for long, would you? So it can do close-ups. It can do super close-ups 
ultra close-ups. Uh, it can do wide shots. It can do. It can move around. Uh, it can do all sorts of stuff depending on where you stick it. And if you're aware of the fact that you're going to try and go and build your scene out of sounds and layers, then you can think about that when you're on a location and you can do your recordings, even with just your regular handheld, you know, cheapo recorders, which is what I use. Uh, you can do an awful lot of stuff um, just by thinking about it. Um, what do you want to be in the picture? You know, am I going to zoom in on the spoon in the cup, or am I going to get the big picture? You know, it's up to you, it's, and you know, you cost you nothing. <laughs> it's easy to do. I'm going to play another little example and, and a little bit more subtitles up on the screen here, just so you can hear a, another thing happen here. This is like mixing up pretty basic bits of reportage, tape and sync, uh, sound effects, and music used in different ways in a pretty quick succession where you hopefully don't feel the joins. Uh, this is a love story and uh, a, very, a love story with a very big twist, which you're not going to get out of this scene. But uh, basically, having had an awful lot of terrible problems, Casper, who comes from, well, apparently comes from a very, very rich family, has been having terrible trouble, and so has his girlfriend, Amanda, and everything's gone terribly wrong, so they need a holiday. So the journalist is there uh, recording her looking for a CD that they played when they were on holiday. De tager Amandas datter med. Helt sikkert, hvor den er ved den her serie. De leger en bunker over en åben sportsvogn. Og de ender med at bruge det meste af tre uger på at køre rundt i bjergene med kalæschen nede. Det går altså sådan en uh, CD, vi har haft med på rejse. Og med Rasmus Sebak blæsende ud af bilens højtalere. Det var Kasper Søndingssang. Rasmus Sebak, han har den hele tiden, rigtig, rigtig mange gange om dagen, på replay. So we managed to transport ourselves from, again, Danish suburbia <laughs> uh, to Gran Canaria in about one minute. And we managed to move through the music being like a CD that didn't work in reportage to placing it in a car in a place that didn't happen to placing it up front to moving it back down again to changing over to another sound effect and changing scene. So that's a scene change and you, each scene sounds very different and because each scene sounds very different it makes stories a lot easier to listen to and that's I think one of the really most important things. We make these stories, this story is our most popular downloaded story ever, is 75 minutes long. So it's made of scenes that are never more than two or three minutes long. So do the maths, I can't. Um, but
But when you're listening to it, you're never more than two or three minutes from start. You're always moving forwards. It's always kind of exciting. It's interesting. It's always changing. It's never the same. Uh, the worst sin in the world for me is to have a eight-minute scene with a bit of ambient techno underneath it that just stays there or some random jazz, you know? It's pointless. It doesn't move anywhere. It doesn't do anything. And by adding the sound effects there, we've gone really fast. We just zoom straight away. I don't know. I wonder if anyone's keeping time. <laughs> so, some other things you might not have thought about in terms of, uh, of the, the sound uh, stuff that you do. That you play around with the time. The recorder is a time machine. It can transfer you up and down, up and down, round and round. Play around with moving. Think about emotional stuff. What kind of emotion do you want people to experience in a scene? Think about the dynamics of it. Think about how you can move up and down between really loud stuff and really quiet stuff, even though you can still understand every word that gets spoken. Uh, think about suspending disbelief like you do in films. Uh, think about things that don't fit, things that are wrong, things that ought not to be there. Uh, a lot of it will work subliminally on people anyway, so it doesn't matter. Okay. Also, you've got other stuff to think about with sound, and it's a bit more technical. You know, you've got your range of frequencies, you've got your deep sounds and your high sounds, you've got your loud sounds and your quiet sounds, you've got, you know, realism and unrealism, right? So I'm going to play another piece now, which also you're going to have no subtitles on, which I've entitled Going Large, Having Fun. Um, this is a piece which features two salty sea dog treasure hunters um, who are just about to bring a German Nazi submarine to the surface which is full of gold, diamonds, and possibly the spear of destiny. Uh, a true story. Um, and they're being hunted by newsmen in helicopters. I'm going to play that, uh, this piece, and you're not to listen to the words because you won't understand a word of it. Even if you speak Danish, they're quite hard to understand, actually. It's a bit of an homage, this piece, as well, to, uh, to Walter Murch and Apocalypse Now, but get back to that. So the story is uh, about these two guys. One of them is called Dynamite O, and the other one is called Indiana Stig. Uh, they're treasure hunters, as I said. And the story was called uh, The Spear of Destiny, or How Dynamite O and Indiana Stig Nearly Came to Rule the World. Because, yeah, well, if you know the story of the Spear of Destiny, then he who owns the Spear of Destiny shall rule the world. And uh, I've got it right here. So just listen, this is uh, going large. I havet ud for Anholt ligger to kæmpe store hollandske flydekraner. De her deres kæmpe kran kom, de måtte ikke engang løfte den, så de måtte hente en kran mere. Kranerne er i gang med at trække U-534 fri og mudret på havbunden og tilbage til vandoverfladen for første gang i 48 år. Vi havde 5-6 tons ammunition på, på dækket på det tidspunkt. Så kommer der en helikopter. En helikopter lejet af en pressefotograf fra politikken.
kunne se, at der sad en fotograf deroppe og knipsede og knipsede. Dynamitøver og Carsten Ræ er sammen på Åges skib, da helikopteren kom. Og han fløj bare lavt mellem veje og alt muligt. Og, og så tit sagde Carsten, at det var noget mig, der blev tøjet. Jeg tænkte, at baller det skidt dernede. Ikke? Så fejlede jeg ned og hentede det jagtgevær. Og så, ja, det gjorde jeg ikke noget, vel? Jeg havde patroner med heroppe, men det var ikke i. Og så var Carsten, lad mig få den. Og han sigtede og sigtede ikke, og klik og klik, sagde han det bare, for der var ikke patron i en, jo vel? Og så, ja, der skete ikke noget. Han skød ikke noget, for der var ingen skud i. That's just a little scene that he sounds like Popeye, that guy. He's great. Uh, he's talking about he's he's got a gun, but he's got no bullets in it. So he's shooting at this, this helicopter. But it's like this is a radio story, and it's like way too big to be a radio story. You know, it's stupid um, and and fun. You know, basically, I just really couldn't resist sticking that music on there. Um, And the whole piece is like that. I mean, the story is like this kind of Indiana Jones kind of story with these two crazy treasure hunters. I mean, you know, we just decided to do it that way because we could. Right. I got a little clip now just to talk a little bit about music and dynamics, like things that are loud and things that are quiet. And it's a little thing I recorded here in Chicago, so I'm very happy to be able to play it here in Chicago um, with a music producer called Steve Albini. I don't know if anyone's heard of him. Uh, he produced albums by Nirvana and the Pixies and everybody else, and he has a studio somewhere, I don't know where, in this town. This is just an example of, like, I wanted to make a piece about him. Uh, he's spent his life, Steve Albini, kind of fighting clean, squashed commercial sound, you know, and he loves to be edgy and punk and noisy. So um, I wanted this piece to be a, a metaphor, which Steve didn't agree with. You've said that twice. Yeah. That's a metaphor. Maybe, maybe yeah, you want to back off on that metaphor a little bit. To work it, on the metaphor. Yeah. What else should I say? Last up today, musician and recording engineer Steve Albini. Rape me again. Um, Steve's working right now and here, but give me one. Steve was kind enough to show me around his studio. It's an anonymous building in an anonymous neighborhood in Chicago. Hi, I'm Steve. Welcome to our studio. This is the control room. When Steve built the place, he decided that this was the place he was going to spend the rest of his life. When we built the studio, when you walk around a little, you'll see the level of commitment that was brought to bear on building the place. The place was built to last. And I, I kind of, when we did that, I kind of decided how I was going to spend the next 20 or 30 years of my life. I'm going to be here pretty much every day, making a record pretty much every day. There's really no way around it. This is the passage to the other studio, Studio B. Here's kind of a magic point in the studio. This is, you can see there's a physical space Steve explained to me walls. in some considerable yeah. detail the acoustic properties of some of the bricks used in the construction of his studios, the shape of the rooms, all these things that affect the way things sound when you record them. So this is the live room of Studio B, and it has a very high ceiling, about 30 feet. What is that? It's like 10 meters. Steve's made noise into a way of life. His signature style is noisy, edgy, and dynamic. Steve likes noise. 
He's quoted once as saying, I like noise. I like big ass, vicious noise that makes my head spin. I had a kind of a epiphany when I came to Chicago and I was able to see live music up close and personal for the first time. So Steve is punk. Uh, but yeah, I mean, as you may have noticed, it got really loud and probably upset the neighbors again. Um, but why not? I mean, who says we're not allowed to do that? Um, yeah, the radio stations tend to say no, but uh, too bad. <laughs> right. Um, so we talked a bit. That's kind of like a realistic, gritty kind of feely thing. Um, I'd like to just play one more clip, a little bit more. Uh, Going to have questions in just a bit. A bit of unrealism uh, for you. Uh, this is from a podcast I make in English, which is called Sound Matters, and you're more than welcome to go grab it from iTunes. Uh, got a new series coming next week or something. Um, this is a guy called Trevor Cox, who is a professor of things sound at the University of Salford in Manchester, who knows a lot about how sound works in your head and why it does what it does inside your head. This is just an example, again, a very simple interview and then dramatized with a whole bunch of sound effects, things, what have you. Two minutes. Now, in order to think a little better about how this whole listening thing gets going inside us, we're going to have to regress a little. Well, it begins before we're born, so... Hearing begins working for you as a sense long before you even open your eyes. We're going to hear the sound of a lot, probably a lot of sort of fluid-moving sounds as we're in a womb. Let's take a little acoustic trip back to the very first sentient moments of our lives. What's wrong, sweetie? Can't sleep. You are my sunshine. Rhythm is there right at the start of our, our hearing because we're going to hear the, the heartbeat of our mother very strongly. And of course, when the mother talks or sings, then the sound's being produced in the lungs. We, we hear what comes out of the mouth, but of course that also resonates the body as well. So the, the baby will pick up a, a lot of low frequencies of the mother's voice as well. And in fact, we start to learn some of the cadences of speech, just the fact that when people talk, they talk in sentences and there's words, nothing more sophisticated probably than that. The baby's hearing quite a bit, but it's all kind of a bit muffled. But that's the reason when a baby's born, they, they recognise the mother's voice because they've already been listening to it. Yeah, so that's a kind of... I kind of like to think of it as cartoonish. Uh, I quite like cartoons, so I'm not afraid of that either. Um, I like cartoons and graphic novels and that sort of stuff. Um, and in a lot of ways, this way of illustrating stuff very clearly is done. I mean, that's 
been done by a lot of people, but again, a very basic interview, just made to work like that. Um, does anyone here know how we're doing for time? And when are we supposed to stop? <laughs> really? Okay, good. In which case I will conclude and move on to some questions, if that's okay. Um, I would just like to finish saying um, that you never get finished exploring and looking around and trying new things with sound design. I mean, it's, it's always different. You should remember to set yourself free and do whatever you work. Kill all journalists and producers who get in your way. Um, it's a really important thing, actually. You don't necessarily have the technical skills to do all of those things. Um, I don't find it that difficult, but I've been doing it 20 years, so I don't know what it's like for people who haven't been doing that. But you may, and I've written here, get a friend to help you. Um, most of you know people who are musicians. Most of you know people who have been educated in some way in the film industry, perhaps, depending on where you live, but they're all out of work as well. Um, there are people with machines who know how to use those, those machines all over the place. So go find them. Go find them and uh, get involved with them. Get them to help you, because uh, often they will be so grateful, because they, you know, they're still busy working on their whole singer-songwriter thing, and it's not going anywhere. So uh, you know, give them a break. Uh, help them slowly. Sort of like just say, what can we do with this stuff? You know, mess around with it. Um, and you might find, if you experiment enough, cross genres, mix stuff up, do whatever you want. You might just find out that you're brilliant at it. Um, but you never find out if you don't try it. So go on, have a go. Um, just before I finish, I just want to play one last clip, and it's not really anything other than fun, for me anyway. Uh, <laughs> because this illustrates for me the most perfect symbiosis of uh, a a creative genius, or two creative geniuses, genii, uh, working together and, uh, and doing something spontaneous and creating something completely iconic. Uh, the two genii are Angelo Badalamenti and his best friend. This is something I stole from the internet, by the way, and then messed around with. So. You can hear the hoot of an owl. You're in the dark woods. Just get me into that beautiful darkness with the soft wind. And I started playing. Segued into this 
see her. And she's walking towards the camera and she's coming closer. Just keep building it. Just keep building it. And she's getting close. Now reach some kind of climax. And I would go, and he said, oh, that's it. Oh, that's so beautiful. Oh, that's tearing my heart out. I love that. Just keep that going. Now she's starting to lean, to fall down. Keep falling. Keep falling. That's it. Twin Peaks. Hello, just parking in to let you know we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back with the rest of this session. You're listening to Chicago's Progressive Radio Adventures. This American life, am I right? The show about all the unseen. Are you tired of endlessly searching for good radio stories? Or maybe feeling overwhelmed by the amount of podcasts filling up your feed? This is Radio Lab. I'm Jad Abumran. Well, worry no more, because Third Coast has you covered. I'm Gwen Maxi, host of Third Coast's podcast, Resound. Resound is a themed, hour-long mix of the best in radio and podcasting from the past and present. We've been carefully curating nothing but the best stories from around the world since 2004, and we have a treasure trove of amazing audio. Each episode is bound to have something to fit every listener's individual taste. Personal stories, essays, sound art, mystery stories that twist and turn, and other audio experiments. So stop searching. Subscribe to ReSound today and treat yourself to the finest stories ever told in sound. Your ears will thank us. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So apparently there is a wandering microphone, I've been told. And shout them out. Hi, I'm Doug Plavin. I am an independent producer from Western Massachusetts. Um, just a question about your process of, you know, scouring sounds. You know, I mean, because you can just get really overwhelmed. And so I know you might have a directive in mind, like you know you want to get a certain emotion or have a scene peak at a certain point. But can you describe it all your process and how you search for sounds other than Foley especially well my normal process is kind of one of the things I hate doing more than anything in the world is listening to raw tape Um, uh, it's just trauma for me uh, having done it for so long so what I tend to do while I'm listening to the raw tape is my attention drifts and I start playing other stuff at the same time while I'm listening to the raw tape and I just sort of audition things and just oh a bit of that or a bit of that and then suddenly I might find something that works but actually, it's just a gut feeling. I sometimes just throw it all together. I should say, really, that I think the best way to work, or the best way for me to work, is you collect an idea of the sort of type of sounds you might want to have, like you want to have thunderstorms and rain and wind and stuff like that. So you collect a palette of them, just like you were going to paint, and you collect your paints and your colors, put, put them all there, and then I just literally throw it all in until it feels right. It can take sometimes one minute to do, sometimes half a day you know, to do. But, um, bits like the Trevor Cox scene there with the, you know, the, the going into the womb. You know, it probably took me about half an hour to make it, but I knew what I was going to do. It uses heartbeat, which is something when I teach students, it's one of the sound effects that is forbidden. Heartbeat and whale song are forbidden. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's good to break your own rules from time to time. Yeah. Hi, I'm Thomas. Um, when you're working with sound, how does that affect the way that you work with your own voice and narration? Um, does it does it allow you to slow down because you don't have to lis- keep the listener engaged all the time because the sound does part of that, mm-hmm. or does it is it the other way around? You have to be even more present because you're competing with the sound. It's a, yeah, it's a bit of both, but what's really interesting about it, and we always do that, and it's something I know we, we use the expression which comes from somewhere at Third Coast. I think I sat in a session once. They call it talk to the tape. When, we put, when I put the sound in, when we put the sound, when we record the voiceovers, when we do that, we do it with the sound on often. So we, re, we talk into the sound that's there that we've mixed very often. You know, it gives you cues and it gives you rhythm, and you can talk your rhythm and stuff into the sound stuff that you've got. It's really... It makes a huge difference. And most, most radio stations, the big ones, are set up so badly that people do their edits in one place and they write their script and they go in another place and record their script and then they bring their script back and throw it on. And it's not as good. If you sit there with your laptop and your microphone like this, even if you just mask speak it, you can get the rhythm much, much better. And you can talk. And then you find out sometimes you don't have to say as much. Like, oh, I don't need to say that because I can hear that's happening. You know, it's like, and then she went out the door. 
is in my script, but then like I hear her go bye, and and she's gone. So I didn't need to say that. Things like that make a big difference, and it's just that connection with it. It really helps, I think. Did that answer your question? Yeah. yeah. Hi, my name's uh, Peter, and I'm curious about the process that you go through for recording the Foley type stuff. I mean, I think we all sort of know what it is in theory, but mm -hmm. don't really have an idea of how you like start. Right. Yeah, I'll it. tell you. Uh, if anyone doesn't know what Foley is, Foley is what they do in the movies to replace all the movements and all of this sort of, uh, I'll do some right here. This is Foley, you know, it's like they, because usually when they film, especially in Hollywood, they, they have these big sound stages, it sounds terrible, so they, re they cut all the audio and they replace it all. But then you don't have the normal, the sound of people moving and this sort of stuff. A lot of the Foley we've done for our productions, we did a, a piece about a guy who's building a, a very special kind of weapon, a gun, and that gun is my stapler on my desk. Um, you know, if you've ever seen people do Foley film people, they never use the real thing. I mean, they, you know, you can close your eyes and imagine that, you know, this is a whatever you want. You just, just find stuff on your desk, you know, you do this stuff, you know. Um, <laughs> we often, uh, it actually, and it's way quicker than looking in sound archives and finding the right thing. Uh, the scene that we heard in the Thomas piece, there's this fight scene outside the... We ran outside to the car park. It took us exactly 10 minutes to record that and then throw it straight in as it was. And, and we could maybe add some more bits and stuff, but it's really easy. And you don't need 15 people. You just record yourself twice and put it in two layers. I mean, there's things like that. It's actually really not. Just give it a go. Like, give it a go until you feel it sounds right, and then, then it does. Um, but you can probably find it on YouTube now, you know, how to do Foley for movies. I mean, someone will tell you. Um, the great thing, the really great thing about not working with movies, which I've been enjoying for 20 years, is that it doesn't have to fit the picture. It's so much easier when there's no pictures. It's really hard. It takes them like two or three weeks in the studio to mix a 30-minute piece of documentary film when they're doing a really fancy job. And, and Hollywood movies are like, they have like 200 people like, mixing like for weeks. Um, you can knock this stuff out in a few days. <laughs> and it's great, because it doesn't have to match. Yeah? Uh, my name is Nina, and um, following up on the question of Foley, in, in thinking about when you're uh, on the level of sound for true stories um, and transparency and truth, how do you think about, yeah, that on the level of sound? Uh, M16 gun sounds very different than a shotgun, which sounds very different than other kinds of semi-automatic weapons, and it seems like if you're holding sound to the same level, you want to think about that too. So where do you make compromises and where do you think it's important to be as truthful and possible as what the sound is? Yeah, I mean, it's a really good question because it's also very journalistically speaking and ethically speaking. You know, Often at our stories we say, you can start the story, actually set it up for your listener and tell them what they're going to get. So that we're going to reconstruct some scenes for you. And then you've, then you've already covered your back. But like if you say if you want the right kind of thing, like you want the right kind of gun or something like that, then those things are findable. And maybe you have to, make, you have to stretch a little harder to find the right thing. But to be honest, almost... We did a piece, actually, which was a, a story of a, a murder, an attempted murder with a gun. And the police were very suspicious of the guy who was shot because he knew exactly what caliber gun he was shot with. He said that was a twenty two. And nobody else could hear anything in particular. And my, my colleague 
went to a gun range and fired a whole bunch of different guns, and we recorded them all. And then he brought some recordings to me, and he said, which one's the 22? And I, and, and I chose that one. And he said, no, that's a balloon. <laughs> and I said, what's that one? Oh, that's me hitting the sofa with a, with a baseball bat. Uh, and then the, the actual gun sounded like it's ridiculous how bad guns really sound because we believe the movies, right? It's like that classic kind of punch thing, you know, if you ever punch someone that I hope you never do, but it doesn't sound like it does in the Westerns, you know? Um, we've got these weird expectations. Uh, but, but it's true, and we have to be a bit careful, um, especially this uh, jihad story. A lot of the sound, I, I, there is a wonderful world of jihadi videos on YouTube. Uh, I pulled a lot of it from there. Didn't ask them for the rights. But, um, but still, I mean, we had to, I made a point of saying that like, this is reconstructed. This isn't the real sound of that particular event. But it's the sound of a very similar one. I don't recommend you look at those videos. Hmm? Um, yeah, it's David Shulman. And um, just w one thing to add on to this, and then I have a question for you. But, um, I just wanted to say that it seems to me like freesound.org has really matured as a, as a real resource in the past few years. Mm -hmm. And for example, if you're in a case where you, you know you want that thunderclap or something and you're listening to your, tape go, your raw tape go by, it's actually in a mode right now where you can audition, you can go quickly through and screen it for Creative Commons Zero so that rights can be, are basically there. So if, anyway, just, I just, it's, a, it's worth looking yeah, at. It's, yeah, Name it again, just so people... It's, it's freesound.org. Yeah, I use that quite often, and it's really, 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 really good. I'm getting better all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so my question for you is, thinking in terms of your sense of scenes in timing, stretching timing, I wondered if you could describe in a little more detail um, the actual moment of changing a scene and how you think of the sound that, let's see, belongs to the scene that's coming ahead and how that interacts with the, with the, sound, with the scene that is just closing, yeah. uh, the, and the sounds that belong to each of those, and how, they, how you work with those. The, the simple rule is different, uh, really. And, and I use a lot of, I like to think of sim sound effects like this, for example. I'll now do it. Uh, you can use, if you think about uh, a scene as a paragraph written in text, these kind of sounds are the punctuation marks. They're like, this is like a full stop, for example. Uh, usually I would say for a full stop, for example, I will stop talking and do that, right? Uh, you can actually add things. Doors closing are very good. Uh, car doors are always great. Doors generally are very good. Doors are in movies all the time. You know, if you want to change a scene, you go in or out of a door or you slam a door, things like that. And you've got the option then also, you have hard cuts, you have long fades, you have slow fades. You basically just do what feels right. Uh, and in the timing, you just do it. Um, music is the biggest and easiest one, because music that starts is great, because that tells you something is starting, and music that ends is great, because it tells you something ended. That's classic movie music. Uh, you know, Batman is in trouble, and when Batman's okay again, the music ends, or something. Uh, and those cues, you can build them up a bit as well, a bit filmy. It's a kind of a classic one is when the bad guy is on, there are crows in the background in the first few scenes. And when the good guy is on, there's like nice tweety birds. 
in the fourth scene, when the good guy is sitting there with the Tweety Birds, then the crows start. You know the bad guy's coming. So you can start the, f- the, the next scene before. You know, you can sort of... Rah, 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 and then you sub- subconsciously you kind of start like, oh, here comes trouble, sort of thing. So you can play around with stuff like that as well. Uh, but yeah, it's a, you've got a whole arsenal of possible uh, transitions. And, and the transitions are really the best bit. They're the most fun, I think. Yeah. Sorry. Hey, Tim. Uh, my name's John. Um, I guess you talked a little bit about how you kind of marshal audience attention through these sort of durational like scenes of two or three minutes. Um, and also how you kind of said there's nothing worse than, A, listening to raw tape and, B, eight minutes of ambient techno under dialogue. <laughs> so I'm curious, um, how much are your decisions guided by regard for, I guess, audience attention? How much is out of regard for your own taste? And how has that intersection moved over the time that you've been working? I'm a slave to my public, you know. Uh, no, seriously, I mean, it's all about audience attention for me. I, and I think one of the lessons, I, I used to work with this kind of grand old man of uh, the, the Danish radio, and he had this amazing talent of falling asleep when you played stuff for him. And, uh, and for years I found it infuriating, you know, but he was always right when he fell asleep. It was really dull. <laughs> and you, you have to learn to sort of track that gut feeling in, in, your, in yourself and accept that even if on paper this ought to be the right stuff, this is a really good scene and everything is right about it, but God, it's boring. Um, so I'm going to have to work on it, cut it down a bit. It's really important, actually, um, to sort of... And, and like uh, Trevor was saying, you know, you learn from, like, in the womb, you learn things about rhythm. Most of the people who edit well have a kind of a musical side to them. Uh, good editors are usually a bit musical. And so it's, it's a sense of rhythm. You just feel it when it's getting too slow. And so you speed it up, or you stop it, or you change it. Um, but yeah, it, it's especially at the beginning, the scenes tend to be shorter, and you can go for the longer ones later on. So the, you need to build, you know, you need to build it. We work very, very strictly, and I could talk for another ten hours about how we focus very a lot on on the narrative structure, you know, and the speed and intensity of the scenes relates very closely to the classic kind of narrative structures of climax and so on. Mm-hmm. Hi. Um, my name is Rob Byers. I'm from the uh, NPR training team, and I also mix uh, the podcast Criminal. Mm-hmm. Um, Tim, I'm really excited that you're here because I think you, when you first started talking, you said that you know the story is the thing, and I, I totally agree with you, but I also think that you are creating some of the best sounding work uh, in our industry, and I'm um, well, really thanks, happy man. to hear you talking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think a lot of people here would agree with me on that. Um, I'm, I'm curious to know, because you do create such good-sounding work, I mean, your, your work a lot of the time is um, very controlled and clear. Um, it's, it's obvious you have that, that film, that movie uh, influence in your work, and I wonder if you could talk to us a little bit about how you're achieving that clear and, um, I'd call it even a compressed sound, mm. but with dynamics and movement yeah it is there's a really really simple rule actually if you read any i guess you know transom.org the the place if you find the uh, fantastic piece by walter murch who's the guy who made apocalypse now uh, read that because it's genius i mean he is a genius there is no question we have a really simple rule which is one thing at a time 
basically there's always one thing at the fo in the foreground, but you can exchange the one thing very, very quickly. So a loud thing is loud, um, and then it's gone. Uh, and as Walter Murch pointed out, when he was he found that he discovered this theory when he was mixing this very famous helicopter scene, actually in uh, Apocalypse Now, that he mixed everything perfectly. He's like the best sound mixer in Hollywood, and he's got the best mix, and he's done all these pre mixes. He put them all together, and it sounded terrible. And he started thinking, well, why is that? And he realized, well, your brain can only deal with like one thing at a time, but. While it's dealing with one thing, it sort of forgets to pay attention to the other thing. So you can dip the music like madly, like really far down, put a little word in, and then throw it back up again, and no one will notice. Your brain doesn't have time to pick it up because it's switched to a different mode, you know? And like I said, with the punctuation, you have to be very careful with noises. Like if I'm talking like this and it's like really, really hard to hear what I'm saying, but if I want to make a really good point, I'd say, I really want to make a very good point. I wait until I'm finished speaking before I say, say that. And, and that's how I think about it a lot. It is a bit compressed, you know, we squeeze it up, but try and make it loud. Um, and I change my mind about that from time to time as it goes, you know. We did actually, with Peter, we did actually mix one of our shows for like a big cinema for Dolby Surround 5. And that was great fun. Um, but that's like, that's a whole different game. And I had to get him to help me with that. Yeah. yeah. My name is Rose. Um, have you ever used the sonic equivalent of a cutaway? What, what, would, you, what would you think about? We like, know the cat on the sofa or the fruit cart that you would see. You know what? That's, that's, the, that's the cool thing. I mean, she had a cutaway, like, you know, like a thing is happening and then you cut away to another picture. In a way, in, in, that's the cool thing about a sound. That's why it works in a movie as well, because the sound space is the same. So you can cut to a different picture, and you don't think you've gone to a different place, right? The really cool thing about not having pictures is that you can, you can, you can carry on more than one layer. It's really strange. You can have me talking here, like interview. You can have me out on a soccer pitch playing football and kind of mix the two in and out of each other in the same time. And it's like these, these layers are more easy to stack up when there's just sound. When you put pictures on, it takes all your attention. And you have to totally believe the picture. And that's why it's so hard to do sound with the films. Because, you know, as soon as you disbelieve the picture, you fall out of the movie and it's, it's all over, you know. It's much easier to do. So you don't have to do a cutaway. You don't have to change to a different thing. You can add the cat in, though. You can show, uh, yeah, there is a cat in that uh, uh, Islamic State story there. Uh, his cat, uh, and it pops up from time to time. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't, the cutaway isn't necessary. That's basically, I think, the answer. Although I may be wrong. <laughs> any more? Could you just say a, um, something short about story narrative? Right. Like some of your rules and insights? About a basic, when we, when, we, when we find a story, usually we have to be excited enough about it to laugh at it at, at lunch maybe two or three times in a row before we think that, that that's probably really good. Uh, we do... Basically, the best, the best process for us is to find out if there is a story. The worst thing is if there isn't really a story but just a subject. Uh, that's very common. You have a subject, not a story. Uh, it's not the same thing. Uh, so we always try and find the story. Is it possible to get it told? Is it possible to find the people who can tell it? And will they be able to do this for us, with us? 
Um, that's very, very important. Um, I kind of lost track now. You, you want to know about story as? Right, it, but essentially, stories are really straightforward. They're all fairy tales. They're all constructed with beginnings, middles, and ends. It's up to you to arrange where you put the bits. Um, but it needs a good beginning. It needs movement. Um, I'm a huge fan of Ira Glass, who isn't, you know, but, uh, you know, he has a number of kind of really simple um, phrases like, well, okay, that was the thing, but what changed? What was different at the end that, that was at the beginning? You know, what happened? Was there any dynamics in this story? We have a lot of people come to us like with this story. Yeah, I have this story. It's amazing. I have this really strange grandfather and he's really weird. And it's like, yeah, and, you know. <laughs> Um, it's not good enough, you know. Uh, you, you need to say, well, what actually happened, and then is it worth, you select, you select which bit of it you're going to do, which bit you're going to tell the story of. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a dark art, I suppose, but um, there's, there's, no, there's no one rule, you know. <laughs> but structure, 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 always very, very, very important. For our type of stuff, for the most successful stuff. I used to do like weird random radio art sort of stuff, weird floaty stuff, and I love that sort of thing. But um, since we've been doing podcasts especially, we really noticed that people really like to be captured in a narrative. And you know that you have them from the first second, which you never did on the radio. You, you, know, you could never be sure anyway. Uh, so we work very much on capturing you at the beginning and giving you some hooks, asking you some questions, making you want to know what happened next. That sort of stuff. If you don't care after one minute, if I'm listening to your story and after one minute I don't care, then I switch it off and it's over. So we, it's very important to think about structure in the story so to make, make sure that things get fed out at the right time. Hi, Tim. I'm Steve Urquhart. Hi. Um, mine kind of follows on from that um, about story and about pitching in particular, how do you pitch a sound world to an editor who's asking you, what's the story? You know, who are the characters we're going to meet? I wish they, I knew. They, they rarely yeah. ask and there's rarely room on a 200 word written page to say yeah. what it's going to sound like and the amazing things you're going to do. Have you got any advice on that at all? <laughs> I'm probably the worst qualified person to, uh, to ask because I never pitched these to anybody. I make them it's my thing. That's the great thing about podcasts. It's like, I have a brilliant story. Do you? Yes, I do. It's going to be good, is it? Yeah, it's going to be awesome. It's good. And uh, I think I'll use helicopters. Really? Good idea. You know. Um, I've, never, I've never tried it. Usually, though, they're happy. Funny thing is, it, a good point, though, is like, it's best to play them a bit of it. They never, you can't talk it through. You can't, it's really brilliant, and this helicopter comes in, and it's brilliant. And then the other thing happens, and that's brilliant. And, and the, you know, it's not brilliant, is it? Um, <laughs> so it's best to kind of play real stuff. Even finish one or two minutes of it as a pitch is better, I think, as a shot. And, you know, and then tell them about what you're trying to achieve with it, maybe. I don't know. But I know the pitching systems. I know you to pitch the BBC, and it's not possible to pitch this sort of idea through that system, as far as I can see. And it's a big problem. That's why everyone makes stuff that sounds the same. Um, you know, because they have to pitch. <laughs> and also, pitches as well are always nearly always wrong. If we if we had to make the stories, and I work together with Krista, who is the narrator in a lot of those pieces. 
if we actually had to make the stories we started making, the ones we pitched to ourselves, they're always totally different by the time we get to the end. So they, they're very organic because you find out that, you know, like you said with the story, I did, that wasn't really so great, or this person wasn't really so good, or it's much better to start here. Or, so you end up with a different story. But it's very nice. And, and Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Want truly hydrated skin? Medocia's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com code SUMMER. All the illustrators and publishers and the people that right now we work with a, with a national newspaper, they all hate us because they're like, well, what's it about? And we're like, well, we don't quite know yet. Uh, it's sort of, you know, we change it until like about four hours before we're finished and like, then you finally know. So it's very frustrating to be around us because we won't tell you what's ex exactly going to happen. Yeah. I think we are done. So I'd just like to say a million thanks to Third Coast for having me and thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading the Third Coast Pocket Conference and a special thanks to Shelley Staffins who recorded and mixed all of the presentations from the 2016 conference. We'll be back soon with more sessions but until then you can always check out our archive of conference audio at thirdcoastfestival.org or you can have a listen to our other podcast ReSound for the best audio stories from around the world. Alright, speak soon. <laughs>